This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to another week here at C103, John Paul and Sadie taking your calls this morning, 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And certainly I'm looking out at gorgeous blue skies at the moment. Another forecast says some rain is on the way. But yesterday was a pretty miserable, dreary old, old day. But the good thing was, I think, it kept people indoors, which is what we've been all asked to do. And I can already see uh, texts coming in from people saying, one listener saying, why are people still heading to the beach? A lot of the people that were on the beach were more than two kilometres from their home. I saw some of it posted on social media. Why can't people learn to stay at home? You're only asked to go out if it's absolutely essential. People are dying. More people need to cop on. This lockdown won't ever go if people don't cop on. And then another listener says Patricia everybody's talking about young people breaking the rules about staying at home but in the Bantry area it's the over 70s who are blatantly ignoring the guidelines and not a guard seen having a word with them. The rules are here for all of us are are they? And that does seem to be an issue. Now, firstly, on the people at the beach, I'm surprised to hear that there's people on the beach because certainly what I've been hearing uh, that the only people around on the beaches are people that are living locally because people living locally are saying it's great. They have the beach almost all to themselves. I mean, if you are sticking by the two kilometre rule for your exercise, you can't drive and then go for a two kilometre walk. It has to be within two kilometres of your house. And there are very few people are lucky enough to live within two kilometres of the beach. So anybody driving there is certainly breaching the the rules and the spirit of the rules. And I know certainly on the first weekend, because I mentioned it last Monday, there was a great photograph in the paper of a member of Angarda Shikona from West Cork who was out on Long Strand policing it and there was no one on Long Strand. He went down to have a look and when he was there, there was absolutely nobody there. So I'm surprised to hear if people are heading to the beach I don't know if they're heading there in large numbers because I think we'd be hearing more about it uh, if there was. But there does seem to be an issue from all over the city and county and I'm assuming this has been reflected around the country that there are a cohort of over 70s who are not abiding by the cocooning. Now, I think the majority of people over 70 are doing the cocooning and realise what it is and why it's been put in place. But they will always be and I'm going to say a minority and I hope I'm right I'm saying a minority of older people who just will not be told. They've lived their lives this thus far and they're not going to be told they can't go out, out of their houses. I don't know how we get around that. I don't know how we get the message out to older people that all of this, all of these rules and restrictions and regulations have been put in place. In the main we're doing it to protect older people. We're also obviously doing it to try to stop putting a strain on our HSC and to protect our doctors and nurses because it's just shocking to see and hear the numbers of medical staff and people working in hospitals who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. I think the figure is at a thousand have tested positive and that's shocking. I mean, these are people who are going to work every day and they're putting their lives at risk from COVID-19 and we all have a role to play. We all have a part to play 
by staying at home. That's all that we've been asked to do. We're not been asked to go out onto the battlefield. We're not been asked to go out onto the front line and expose ourselves to COVID-19. We're simply been asked to stay at home, go out for the essentials, go out to do your shopping. As that checkout operator who contacted us last week, when you are going out to do your shopping, go with a purpose. Know what you need to get. And I abided by that. That lady will be delighted to hear. I went out to do my shopping and I went out early yesterday morning and I had my shopping list and I made sure everything that was on that shopping list I was able to get. There was only one item wasn't available to me, but I got everything. No, I got a few other bits as well. But I stuck religiously to the shopping list so that when I got home it wasn't a case of which in the normal scheme of things is what happens oh I forgot to get that I'm sure I'll get it tomorrow when I go to the shops so I don't need to go to the shops now until maybe midweek to pick up the essentials like the bread and the milk and, and all of that so we have to go out with a purpose you're doing it for a reason and I know lots of people like to exercise again do it get out there get your exercise done and get back indoors that's for all of us and then for the people over 70s what's been asked of them is to just stay indoors let the rest of the community look after you we will cocoon you we will protect you and envelop you and mind you and that's what it's about it's about minding the older population because we know and we'll be talking about the figures in a moment that have passed away it's it's in the main it's older people that are dying I mean, every day when they release the figures of the number of people that have died in the last 24 hours and then they give the, the, the median age, the average age of the people that have passed away and they're always in their 70s and in their 80s. So it's to protect people. It's not anybody saying we're forcing you to stay in the house and you're never being allowed out again and you know, you're know you a prisoner in your own home. It's nothing like that. You're being asked to stay inside in your own house and don't move out, don't interact with anyone and it's to protect you and it's to look after you. So please, guys, please, ladies and gentlemen, over the wonderful age of 70, heed this message and just stay in. Reach out. There's so much help available. There are so many volunteers willing to help. And literally, there's queues of people who have nothing to do at the moment, who are stuck indoors and abiding by all the rules. So they're only delighted when they get an excuse to maybe go out to a neighbour to do the shopping, pick up the shopping for them, you know, whatever needs to be done, go to the chemist to collect their prescription. So many people are willing and able and ready to do it. And uh, we spoke last week about the wonderful uh, setup that has been, that the Cork County Council got involved in. And this is where they brought everybody together, all of the different groups that want to help out all of the organisations uh, and they've set up a free phone helpline and you can ring from anywhere across Cork County. It's 1-800-805-819 1-800-805-819 You'll speak to somebody very friendly at the end of that phone line explain where you are, explain where you're living, explain what your need is. What are you short of? Is it something from the shops that you need? Do you need to talk to somebody? Are you feeling a bit lonely? Whatever it is if you ring that number they will put you in contact with somebody who can sort out whatever is going wrong for you but please just stay inside and I know the sun is shining and you're thinking oh I'd like a bit of fresh air if you've got a garden go out in the garden if you want to get exercise in walk around the garden even if it only means going from your front door to your gate and up and down and do that a couple of times a day you can get your fresh air 
at the same time. But please just don't be going to the shops, to the supermarkets, to the post office, to the credit unions, to the banks. Just stay away. It's not going to go on for very much longer and we'll all be back out and we'll all be enjoying normal life again. But we all need to pull together. And the other issue that is getting a lot of attention at the moment and when I was out yesterday morning, I did notice a couple of people in the supermarket were wearing face masks and this this whole discussion going on now as to whether we should all be wearing face masks when we're going uh, going out. Now at the moment the government are ruling out directing people to wear masks. The HSE say they still have not changed their advice for the public in relation to the wearing of face masks as it's still unclear whether surgical or medical masks if it's of any use to wear them in public or to wear them if you're going on public transport or if you're out and about in a supermarket. The direction from the HSE comes as 21 people yesterday died. That was the figure. Is that the highest figure we've had today? It's a shocking figure. And 390 new cases have confirmed positive. Our death toll now in this country stands at 150 and just under 5,000 people have been diagnosed as positive since the pandemic began. Of the latest confirmed deaths, the 21, 17 were located in the east, two were here in the south and two were confirmed from the west of the country. But the HSE are saying there's little evidence to suggest wearing face masks would be effective in public. They say using masks is unlikely to be of any benefit if you're not sick. Now, the advice has always been that sick people and it's usually a doctor will advise sick people to wear a mask and the whole idea there is that they stop it spreading. If you sneeze or you cough, your droplet's not going to go anywhere beyond uh, the mask and obviously healthcare workers all need to wear face masks and the other personal protective equipment and that's to protect them from uh, infection during their work. On And just on personal the PPEs, personal protection equipment, 20% now it's been confirmed of the PPE that has been, that we bought from China is not reaching the required standards for our healthcare uh, workers. 10% of the total order, and by the way, we've ordered 20 million, not 20, 200 million, there's another note on that, 200 million euro worth of PPE. Um, We have ordered from the Chinese. 10% of that has already arrived. So we paid 20 million uh, already. But the suppliers have now been told not to send any more of that particular kit, that it wasn't reaching the required standards, but uh, 20% simply of no use at all. I think 65% of it was fine. 15% of it can be used in some other way. We can we can adapt it to use it and 20% just absolutely of no use to us uh, at all. Uh, so they've gone back to the suppliers saying don't please don't send any more of that and particularly the amount of money that we are spending. And actually that's an interesting point when people were saying, you know, the Chinese are supplying all the PPE to not just to us, they're sending it to all over the world. We're paying for it. We're not, we're not getting it for free. I know the Chinese did send over some ventilators to New York and that was a gift. But the personal protective equipment all of the countries are are buying from China has to be paid for and is being paid for. And it's a lot of money. I mean, 200 million euro. And that's just from Ireland. And we're a tiny country. Our order is tiny in comparison to what the likes of America is ordering, to what the likes of Italy and Spain 
that have many, many more hospitals and a much bigger population base. And you can imagine even in the United Kingdom, the amount of personal protective equipment that they need to order. So ours is a very small amount. So those companies in China are certainly making a lot of money out of the, out of the PPEs. Testing, by the way, the numbers on testing that we keep an eye on, the, that's dropped now to 1,500 tests were carried out a day last week. And that, again, is due to the issues with the availability of the reagents. There has been a goal of testing 15,000 people per day, but because we can't get this reagent, which is a solution that's needed when the swab goes back in to find out if the person is positive or negative, that's we've been severely hampered. Again, uh, the, the target of 15,000 has been hampered because of that. And again, that's not just an Irish problem. That is a worldwide problem. So there's only 10 percent of the tests that the HSE ideally would like to do. That's all we're doing at the moment. And just on the surgical masks, by the way, somebody's saying is the World Health Organization not reviewing the surgical masks. You're right. The World Health Organization is considering, it's only considering, changing its advice on the wearing of face masks. And that's after new research suggests coronavirus particles may be projected even further that was previously thought and this was all tests that were done in a lab and it showed the speed of a human speed and it was basically what what you witnessed you may have seen it online was this it was a fast moving cloud of gases and it contains droplets of varying sizes obviously when somebody sneezes but it actually showed that a sneeze could actually reach up to 8 metres away because you know we know we've all been told to stay 2 metres away some countries are saying 1 metre away we're going on the 2 metre wheel but if somebody actually sneezes in, in your presence it can go 8 metres the droplets so to me that's one of the reasons why somebody who's got any kind of a head cold or somebody who possibly would have COVID-19 for them to be wearing the masks I think certainly a a good idea anyway there's two types of masks there's the medical there's the surgical mask and that's the one that fits loosely over your mouth and your nose now that helps prevent the spread of large droplets when the wearer coughs or sneezes but it doesn't protect against smaller airborne particles and then there's another type of face mask called an N95 respirator that fits tightly on your face and when you when the user inhales minimal leakage occurs around the edges its respirator is is properly fitted when it's properly fitted and donned and that obviously gives the wearer a greater protection but the World Health Organisation is reviewing it and in fairness in this country we seem to follow most of the advice that comes from the World Health Organisation so let's wait and see what happens with the World Health Organisation and if they change their stance will we all suddenly be wearing masks when we're going out and about and so your thoughts welcomed on that are you one of the ones who has opted already to wear a mask I mean the one the one issue I would immediately have and the problem I would foresee if it was decided today that everybody going out must wear a mask where are all those masks going to come from if the if our government is already having problems getting all of the PPE equipment back from China and that's just for our healthcare workers we know on this programme since the pandemic began we've been hearing from 
Home Helps, we had a really heartbreaking letter in from a mother of somebody whose daughter is a public health nurse saying that they don't have the availability of masks. So the fear is if the general public starts wearing the masks, where will they come from and who's going to suffer because of it? I mean, we have to look after our frontline staff. I mean, I think everybody agrees with the frontline staff has to have all of the personal protection equipment. So that would be my worry if the World Health Organisation decides to that where all these masks are going to come from. There's also a race on to sign up GPs to staff what are new coronavirus access hubs. That's what they're called. And the main reason for this is they are trying to provide care for family doctors because the worry is that the care that GPs are already providing could implode if they and their staff start to get sick. So the new clinical assessment hubs are designed to divert patients who are suspected of having the virus to move them away from the GP service where there's uh, to the surgeries where there's a risk of spreading the infection to the doctors and to the nurses and to anybody else working in the GP uh, practices which then obviously could lead to a GP practice being forced to close down. Concerns have also been raised that people are ignoring other illnesses because they're avoiding the GP services, surgeries, they're avoiding going to the accident and emergency department all in a bid to try to avoid picking up COVID-19. So health authorities have come up with this plan. There will be 40 hubs around the country where you will exclusively access help if you think or you think a family member has COVID-19. And the idea behind that is it will free up GP practices then for other patients. And the HSE are looking at opening up 15 of those centres this week and Cork is also on the list. And I think that's not a bad idea because I think then if a person knows if they're feeling unwell for a different reason and that they need to go to the GP, if they know that there, is, there won't be a possibility of meeting anybody at the GP practice who could have COVID-19 because they are going to be sent somewhere else. I think that then might allow and might instill a little bit of confidence in people that it's OK to go to your GP, that, you know, you don't run the risk of picking up COVID-19. So we'll keep a close eye on that particular uh, story. And actually talking of GPs, uh, Dr Nick Flynn is going to join us on the programme this morning just to give us uh, an update on what's happening with COVID-19 from, from a GP uh, point of view and just to talk through a couple of the other issues. That issue, for example, with the face masks. And also uh, we're going to talk with Dr Nick Flynn in a couple of minutes about the issue of private patients paying for private health insurance when it looks like at the moment, well it doesn't look like it is the case, we don't have any private health care because we know all of the private hospitals have now gone under the remit of the HSC and the Department of Health. So now we just have, we have a one tier health system. We have a public health system and that and that's the way it will be until the end of the pandemic. So a private patient who say is already attending a consultant, that consultant is no longer available to see the patient inside in their private rooms. So they now will be told to go on the public list. And we already know the length and the delays on the public list. So there's going to be a lot of problems there and a lot of issues that need need to be sorted out. And of course, the big one that a number of people are already talking about, why are we paying 
most people pay for their health insurance monthly because that bill is such a big bill. Nobody can afford to pay it at the start of the year. So they, they pay premiums every month. Why are we paying that if there's no private health care at the end of it? And listen, says Patricia, most of the people in Bantry urban areas, which makes up 3,500 people, are within 2k of a beach walk. Those lucky, lucky things. I think anyone living near a beach at the moment, when the sun comes out, how fantastic that when you're able to do your uh, when you are allowed to do your exercise every day within two kilometres of your home. That is great. Because I know John Paul put up on our Facebook page last week, Hidden Gems, within your 2K walk. We were asking people if you brought your phone with you to take a picture of, you know, within two kilometres of where you live, a little hidden gem. We got some gorgeous, gorgeous photographs in. And I have to say the ones I most envied were the ones of, of the people who lived close by at the beach. And here's a wonderful thing that was doing the rounds on social media and somebody emailed it into uh, us here at uh, C103 and this is about it, it was a view from an Indian doctor and it was to do with the whole thing of social distancing and cocooning and isolating etc and it reads as follows social distancing is a privilege it means you live in a house large enough to practice it Hand washing is a privilege too. It means you have access to running water. Hand sanitizers are a privilege. It means you have money to buy them. Lockdowns are a privilege. It means you can afford to be at home. Most of the ways to ward the coronavirus off are accessible only to the affluent. In essence, a disease that was spread by the rich as they flew around the globe will now kill millions of the poor. All of us who are practising social distancing and have imposed a lockdown on ourselves must appreciate how privileged we are. Many people who live in India won't be able to do any of these uh, things because I know in India they are trying to bring in a, a lockdown but it's just the amount of people that are there. So bear that in mind when we're given out about self-isolating in our, hand, in our houses and all the hand washing we're doing, the hand sanitising. It really is a privilege. And thank you to Louise for a really, really lovely email saying, uh, saying Patricia you're in great service thank you there at C103 uh, my granddad spends his day listening and now with him cocooning your service is a link to the outside world as he no longer has the men's shed he's not able to go to his bowls club his night in the local pub is gone he can't go for a trip to the local village for his little bits of shopping he's not able to go out every week to collect his pension all of the things he normally does uh, his regular day in day out things have all stopped every day when I phone him he's all the news from your radio show. At nearly 90 years of age he has no technology like all of us younger people and the TV can be repetitive with no local news. One little thing I would please ask you to do maybe you could announce now and then what day of the week it is as the days are running into each other and some older people can get a little bit of confused and with no technology it's not easy to get this information so I'd really like if you'd consider just calling out the day or what day of the week it is uh, thanking you keep up the good work and that's from Louise thank you for that uh, Louise yeah and it, and you know something it's not just for 
people who are 90 and, 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 and over. I think everyone, there's a lot of people talking about that saying, could you get confused what day of the week it is? So we'll try and remember to do that every single day. Today is Monday, by the way. And for some people, it's a bit of a long weekend for them. And the whole week feels like a little bit of a long, a long weekend. So thank you. That was Louise emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Let's take a break and we are back chatting with Dr. Nick Flint. Egfoilemach Quiddenanihe is Farlin. Shaw Eitzroer C103 Air Kirkig. Is there in Devil Yaston Gaharaho Elizabeth Fort? Agasterter Gwicha Air Chandos Nasampli is Far. The Rune Reltochrohoch on Shachtu Hishdiak. Kegger Atogoche Harnablianta. Hogelordon Dun on Giedlaw Ria Fosle Feshkint. Atogoch Edusporde. Sivlian Shadiak Sahayan. When Saltas Rarkana Untacha Air Chahar Horki O Ali Nununta. Agastog Truss Hun Faulum Fest Darren Duin Agas Nakaharach. This Good Friday, C103 asks you to do something really good. Really good. Support Cork's frontline legends. Cork's frontline legends. Help raise funds from medical teams going above and beyond to save lives during the COVID 19 pandemic. We all come together. We've joined forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and CUH Charity to ask you to donate just 19 euro. Just 19 euro. All money raised will support services for medical staff. For medical staff. This Good Friday, click c103.ie and make a one-off donation. Or call 1850 50 96 96. We all come together. Supporting Cork's frontline legends. With no DC Skoda, New Mallow Road, Cork. Proud to get behind those steering us through the COVID-19 crisis. No dc.com on c103 Cork today on c103 call patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 okay we're just having a problem getting through to uh, dr nick so while we await for that let me take a look at some of your texts and calls uh, coming into the program john in north cork says is there anything been done uh, patricia about the bank charges being taken out of people's accounts uh, last week well, yeah, it was one of the main, I don't know which of the banks it was. It just happened to coincide with the day that the COVID-19 payments that the €350 Euro arrived into people's accounts. It was just happened to be the same day that the quarterly uh, figures, uh, the quarterly charges uh, were taken out. And for some, it was €100 Euro was taken by the bank, which people were very annoyed about. The banks defended it, saying that they were just, just was a coincidence that the charges arrived on that particular day. And they are the charges. And if you want to stay with that bank, then unfortunately you have to pay those charges. Now, as we head into the week two of the more strict measures introduced by the government in a bid to try to stop the spread of COVID-19. We try to assess are they working and how is our health system coping? Dr Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie joins me. Good morning to you Nick. Good morning Patricia. And and you are welcome. Uh, Do you believe the current lockdown is working or could the government go even further? Um, I think, to be honest, I don't think anybody can say for sure. I think it certainly is having an effect. Um, Could they go further? Yes, they could. Um, I think we've all seen, um, again, uh, images over the weekend uh, on social media where um, the the restrictive, socially restrictive movements uh, and, and actions of people haven't been <clears throat> as uh, restrictive as the uh, guidelines set out. And I think that that needs, that needs to change because, like, Every unnecessary 
uh, contacts we have with other people is an unnecessary risk of spreading the virus. And they're telling us that this week is an important week. The reason that they're telling us that is that they, they project, and they can't be sure, but they project that our surge is coming in mid-April, two weeks' time. And so everything we do now protects the hospitals for two weeks' time. So again, very disappointing over the weekend to see images of estate parties and street parties uh, uh, circulating. Um, I, we've got good buy-in from most people, but we need more buy-in from more people and we need, we need to guarantee with powers of enforcement uh, really and truly. Do we need to start fining people? I can seek out, we've got calls from people saying it's the only way to do it. Market analysis, the next measure the government need to bring, bring in is start fining people. Um, it's the one way, it was shocking to see people going out in gangs, a fine might wake people up. Yeah, there certainly has to be some form of of, of sanction or some form of, of punishment, really, unfortunately, for people who are not playing the game and people who aren't on board with, with, the, with the advice. Um, now, I'm not suggesting this, but the, the Philippine... Uh, Prime Minister at the weekend apparently issued a threat that people would be shot. Of course, we're not going to do that. But 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 I think we do need to certainly uh, introduce some form of punishment, and if that's if whatever the the the, the guardian the minister for justice uh, from their experience of dealing with people, whatever works, if that's fining, if that's a threat of imprisonment, if whatever that is, uh, it needs it needs to happen. They had to do it initially. I mean, a hundred thousand people ended up getting fined a thousand euro each, but it finally sunk into people. If we're caught out on the streets, we're going yeah. to get fined. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely, no, absolutely. There, there, there does need to be a, a punishment because we're, we're not going to um, we're not going to get on top of this until unnecessary uh, uh, social and physical interactions are minimised. You know, and absolutely minimised. And unfortunately, street parties and estate parties are not minimising that, and they are that is reckless behaviour, really. What do you make of the story that's in all of the papers today about setting up these the new coronavirus assessment hubs, which will be run by GPs? Yeah, so the the, the coronavirus assessment hubs are um, what they're called in other countries. They've been called fever clinics, but principally they are for patients who have been diagnosed with COVID-19 or, or who are strongly suspected as having uh, COVID-19 and there are uh, so these hubs are, are where, where these patients can be assessed if they're becoming clinically unwell now, as we know for 80% of people COVID-19 is a mild illness but for the other 20% uh, it's a more significant illness and for 6% it's a critical illness so it's really for that 20% of patients who uh, when we're uh, uh, dealing with their symptoms over the phone that we know from their level of cough, their level of shortness of breath, their level of distress, that really they may need hospital care, but we're not sure. If they absolutely need hospital care from that assessment, they can be referred directly. But the COVID uh, assessment hubs will give us the opportunity for a more objective assessment and the doctors and uh, nurses and all the staff there well, I understand being full protective equipment and uh, the, I think the, the patients will be seen, uh, there'll be two doctors in each hub, there'll be three appointments per doctor, I think, per hour, so six per hour with the capacity being seen. So it, it's not going to be a huge capacity, but still it, w- it will be helpful. It will be helpful, number one, in providing an objective assessment or taking, I suppose, examination findings from a patient to decide do they actually need to go to hospital and also because general practice doesn't have the same level of personal protective equipment as they will have in the hubs in, uh, in I suppose, in diverting patients who are strongly suspected or who indeed have COVID-19 and who are likely to be very infectious away from the general practice setting.
And it won't mean that everyone that would go into the hub would have to be hospitalised. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. And, I, and actually, I, I would I would assure people that the, that that from an assessment point of view, like the, the actual goal will be to. I mean, I suppose it'll be a little bit of a gatekeeping role. Obviously, everybody who needs to go to hospital will go to hospital from from an assessment hub. But I I I, I, I suspect myself that one of the um, one of the metrics for success of the hubs will be that if they can safely identify people who can safely be looked after in the community, that that care will will, will remain in the community. I think that, 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 that the doctors working the hubs would regard that as an important part of their task. Having said that, I do think people need to prepare themselves when they are going to, for an appointment in one of the hubs that, that they will be potentially going to hospital afterwards and they knew, do need to... You know, be ready for that. Be, yeah. ready, be ready for that and all it entails because you, there are no visitors in the hospital at the moment so you'll be saying goodbye to loved ones before you go to the hub in, in the event that, that the decision afterwards is that you, you require hospital treatment. The other issue that came up last last week, and it, it's, it ties in, I suppose, with the, these hubs as well, it was the issue that Dr Tony Houlihan raised when he became un, unwell and he was talking about the empty accident and emergency departments. Are you finding in your practice, Nick, that people are slow to come forward with other health issues? We are, and uh, I think we spoke about it last week, but I'd be keen to emphasise this again to people, that we want people who are unwell with other things be it an ingrown toenail or be it, you know, chest pain. We want people to come forward. Please don't sit at home self-managing everything. Self-management is appropriate for some things. And indeed, after a phone call with the GP, and probably for the ingrown toenail, self-management will be appropriate. But, but for more things, you will need uh, maybe a GP assessment. You'll maybe need a prescription from your GP. You maybe will need a hospital referral. And the hospitals are open for COVID and non-COVID-related illness. General practice is open as well. We're, we've, we've, as everybody knows by now, we've changed the care pathways and the way we work. And everybody's having a telephone triage first and every telephone consultation with the option of video consultations and physical examination face-to-face if it's indicated. So we are open and we're, we're keenly aware and I think that some of the evidence from Italy is now coming out that the second spike in illness is actually from delayed care from non-COVID related um, uh, illness so it's, so it's important please I'd ask people don't uh, be at home presuming that there's no care available there is care available it's available through general practice it's available through the hospital and let us let your general practitioner be the person who decides if this episode of care needs to happen immediately or if it can be delayed or if it can be structured in another way but please don't make those decisions yourself Okay, talk to me Nick about what's happening around private hospitals and people having private health care I listened to uh, Dr Michael O'Keefe Professor uh, Michael O'Keefe who I know deals in in ophthalmology but he was talking about some of his patients he's fearful that some of his patients could go blind or some of them could even die uh, he was making the point that as of today, he's got nowhere to see his patients and he's been told that his patients now must end up on the public list. So, uh, yes, there are certainly some some, some genuine concerns around, around this issue, uh, Patricia. And just for the listeners, just to explain to them what has happened is that um, the private hospitals, um, I'm not sure if they all have been, but certainly some of them have been, and the Bansakur Hospital in Cork is an example of one, which has now been made a public hospital. So for the next three months at least, the Bansakur Hospital in Cork will be a public hospital. Now, obviously, the consultants in the Bansakur Hospital um, 
were doing an awful uh, lot of hard work and heavy lifting on behalf of the healthcare system as a whole in their private rooms. Uh, and now those patients who didn't require hospital admission but who were attending the rooms for, you know, maybe follow-up of, of cancer for prostate disease, follow-up for cancer for breast issues, follow-up, you know, um, for in, like an ophthalmologist who were hoping to see a private ophthalmologist and had their cataracts done. We all know the issues, the bottlenecks to our care there. Absolutely. All of those patients, who, and, and, and this isn't, and I genuinely believe this, this is not in any way um, influenced by by a desire for the private consultants to protect their income. This is totally based on care, and I, I genuinely believe that, Patricia. Yeah. These patients, if they can no longer go to the consultants' rooms, if they have to come back to the GP and be referred to public health patients, we already know for lots of those, for orthopaedics, for ophthalmology, for neurology, that we're talking two- and three-year waits, for rheumatology, two- and three-year waits. And for some of the patients, that's just simply not good enough. For any patient, it's not good enough, let's be honest. But when you've got patients, they take rheumatology, for example, and you've got patients with rheumatoid arthritis who are going to a private consultant maybe three times a year to have their um, their bloods monitored and their medication reviewed. Like, the general practice, we, we shouldn't shoulder that entirely now ourselves we should still have access to, to specialist opinion specialist care and so we'll have to refer those patients to the public system and we already know the public system has a bottleneck and can't look after them so really it, it's an issue that's there and I hope that there's going to be a common sense um, solution to it uh, the, 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 the issue about the private hospital is no longer being available to patients that is also true, and, 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 and patients might consider that they, that they, that they want to ring their, their, um, their health insurer and just ask what's the level of care that's available to them at the moment through their policy. Yeah, I mean, some people are asking, why are we paying private health yeah. insurance? Yeah, I, 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 I'd encourage people not to make kind of knee-jerk decisions to cancel their, absolutely, their health insurance. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because if, if, this, if this is a short term thing and by short I would say three to six months like and, and if the if, if the system begins to revert to the to the previous system after that point well you don't want to be in a position where you've cancelled your policy maybe you've had it for 40 or 50 years you're now 70 years of age or whatever age you, you might be and you're in a risk category where you're policy is now going to be more expensive so I would be very careful uh, and I would encourage people not to make any knee-jerk decisions just to talk to their insurer and, and, and guess, get, get, get the advice Yeah there. and we're, we're actually going to have an expert on on um, private health insurance tomorrow on the programme so we'll hopefully Great. get to answer uh, some people's questions Face masks, do we need to be wearing face masks out in public or not? Yeah, so again, this is uh, an issue that, that 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 is evolving quickly. Um, if you look at uh, Asian countries, Patricia, particularly China, Japan, South Korea, that that have really extensive experience, a lot more experience than European countries and America at dealing with COVID nineteen and SARS and, and and MERS before that, that as well as all their other public health measures, and just very briefly, you know, the personal measures, washing the hands, social distancing, not touching your face, and, and, and the socially restrictive measures, you know, the no mass gatherings, and we're now down to you know, no more than two people in Ireland, all that. So the Asian countries have all that, and they have all that in spades. They also have very strict rules, and we talked about it just a few minutes ago, about enforcing their socially restrictive measures. So, so, so they have all of those things, and they have all of them very well, and they also have very good testing, contact tracing. So they have they have lots of they have lots of good stuff, but they also have 
that uh, are rely on face masks for all as a central part of their risk redu- reduction strategies uh, in, a pub- in public health. And it doesn't replace anything. It doesn't, it doesn't make people less enthusiastic for the, for the other measures, but they do, use, they do use that. And if you look at their curves, their curves are not as steep as ours. And I think face masks for all is an important uh, part of that. Just to, to see where, where Europe is going, Czech Republic, Slovakia, they're already, Turkey went there before the weekend, Germany are considering it for certain cities where they've got high uh, incidence of COVID-19, and the Centre of Disease Control in the United States on Friday announced a voluntary public health measure where they recommended that, uh, that, that people going out into the public would wear face masks. And this is because social distancing isn't always possible. We know that this... Um, uh, this virus is droplet spread. We know that even through speech and talking to somebody at the counter or passing somebody in the aisle, the droplets can be spread very, very small that you can't see. And this is an effort to limit those spread from the wearer. So what, what, what the, 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 the idea is not that we use medical-grade masks. Medical-grade masks are in short supply and absolutely surgical masks that use respirators are FFP2 masks. They're in such short supply that they need to go to healthcare workers on the front line and within that they need to be prioritised for the high-risk areas like ENT and A&E and ICU. But masks for all so would, would involve uh, cloth homemade masks uh, where the, 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 the intention is that the wearer protects somebody else from themselves. So it's so the protection comes from the shielding the mouth of the infected person rather than shielding the mouth of the healthy person. And so if, if there's enough people doing that, where again, it's another risk reduction strategy within the community to stop to help stop the spread of this virus. And I know they, that's exactly the World Health Organization. They are considering changing their advice yeah. on for that very reason. It's to stop the people who might have it passing it on to uh, somebody else. OK, on, on testing, and how many tests we're carrying out. I mean, I mentioned earlier on, I think we're only doing about 10% of what we had hoped to do. And then there was the story at the back end of last week that didn't get a lot of coverage, the HSE outsourcing tests to a German laboratory. Yeah, I think 2,000 tests went to Germany. I think actually they went by our local flight school here in Cork after the Atlantic Flight Training Academy. I think oh. it was one of their I think, I think it was one of their flights that, that, that brought the, brought them over. There's, if you look at their Twitter account, it's a very interesting tweet that, uh, of the lads that they're flying over Europe noticing empty both the skies and the motorways to be empty. But coming back to the testing, so so yeah, look, I, I think it is a worry that that we've had to resort to outsourcing testing. Apologies okay. that we've had to out, uh, that we've had to outsource um, uh, testing. We we don't have we haven't had a good experience outsourcing testing with in other aspects referencing the cervical check um, issues. So I think it is unfortunate that we have to do that. But I think the fact of the matter is that this reagent is scarce worldwide and we need the results of these tests back quickly and as quickly as possible. So in that regard, I don't think you can criticise the outsourcing, although it is a worry. Testing is is going to remain, though Patricia, is going to remain a central part to our our fight against the virus. and, that, and that's for months ahead. So we're we're now in shutdown or lockdown. We're coming. We're in the second week. We've been more or less told we've another two weeks coming. We could have a week or two after that. Who knows? Uh, I certainly wouldn't be sure about what happens at the end of uh, four weeks of shutdown. But even after that, when society begins to open up, if, if you look at Denmark, it starts to open up now. Denmark, but slowly. Very slowly, yes. Yeah. So Denmark, yeah. Denmark shut down before they had their first 
uh, uh, deaths from COVID-19, so they shut down early, and now they're being to open up again. And it is slowly in, very, in a very targeted way. Um, and up, but equally important with that slow opening up would be the continued emphasis on testing. Like, uh, again, Mike Ryan from the WHO, an Irishman, he said, bring the fight to the vi- virus. You have to identify where the virus is in the yeah. community, and that will be even more important or as important when we're reopening uh, after the lockdown that, it, that we identify new cases Okay. isolate them and also isolate their contacts. Okay, listen, stay safe. Nick, Nick yeah, we'll talk you. again next week. It's always a thanks pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Dr. Nick Flynn of mycorkgp.ie. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c 103.ie The Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie C103 C103 is online everywhere We'll keep you up to date with everything happening across Cork Follow us on Facebook Simply search for C103 Join us on Twitter Search for our handle at C103 Cork And for photos and vids find us on Instagram at C103 Cork Connect with us on social Today at C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And some of your texts uh, coming in on, particularly on the over 70s and cocooning, and people have been asked to stay indoors. Morris says Deputy Danny Healy Ray had no problem at all with people over the age of 70 going out shopping. He actually said it in the doll last week. Goodness me. Does he not realise why we're asking people over the age, age of 70 to stay indoors? And here's Mary in Dunmanway says, you know, what a simple wave can do for somebody. Mary says, I was out walking the other day in town. I was just looking around me. She said, as you do. And I went past a bungalow and at the window, I spotted an elderly man. He was just standing there looking out the window. He looked so lonely. I smiled and I waved at him and he actually waved back. I felt better for doing it, but sad also as he was all alone peeking out from behind a heavy curtained window. I wished I could have gone in to see that he was okay. I don't know him, but I felt for him, says Mary from Dunmanway. And so many, I'm, I'm airing that the majority of people over 70 are cocooning and many of them are finding it hard many of them are finding it and they are desperately lonely uh, particularly the people that are used to maybe have a big family and used to people calling there's been some great pictures gone up on social media of people having parties outside there was a lovely one on the paper actually of somebody having it was a 50th wedding anniversary and mum and dad are inside celebrating the 50th wedding anniversary and their children and grandchildren are, are outside the window and we've seen great evidence of that of people trying to reach out but then not everyone has somebody that can call to them and people, there isn't and a person like that can't be can't be somebody with them all of the time outside the window having a chat with them. So yeah, there are a lot of lonely people. But well done. But that's just a simple thing. If you spot somebody in the window, I was out for a walk last, not this weekend, gone by the weekend before, and I passed a, a, an elderly lady and she was cleaning her front door. And just literally, I just as I walked past, we spoke about the weather and how things were going and, and whatever. Just simple things like that. It's just to let people know that they're not alone and that this this will pass. And the world will get back to normal. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. We're going to take a break and we have news at 11 on the way. 
Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. On C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A lot of people not happy uh, with, the, with the piece when we were speaking with Dr Nick Flynn in the last hour and uh, Dr Nick just talking about people who are not abiding by the rules and, the, and rules are even the wrong words but the restrictions that have been put in place that we're all asked to do to protect ourselves, to protect our health system, to protect all those that work in the health system and to protect the older population. That's why we're all being asked to restrict our movement uh, and this whole issue around the wearing of masks. A listener says our people, some people are simply not getting it to hear that there were street parties going on. It's unreal. Now in America, they've changed their minds and they're asking people to wear face masks. Dr. Fauci, that fantastic guy in the States who doesn't seem to be getting on with Donald Trump, he's advising that everyone in the US should wear masks and then their own president Donald Trump decided he wasn't going going to wear it. Anyway, the sister feels that uh, the HSE are weeks uh, behind in their public advice. Oh, I, d- I don't know about that. I think I think the HSE are very much taking the lead from people like the World Health Organization. And as we mentioned, the World Health Organization is reviewing. They're looking on the face mask policy. They're looking at all the other countries, what's worked in all the other countries. And they will then come up with what they think is best pa- practice. And then from what I can gather to date, that's what the HSE has been doing they go with what is best practice rather than jumping in and deciding we're going to go on a different route to everybody else. So I think you're wrong in saying that we are weeks uh, behind. Michael and Bantry says the only way to do it is to find people. If you're caught out in the streets and you have no genuine reason for being there, we need to do what they did initially. Initially, unfortunately, had to do it in order to stop people going out onto the streets. An anonymous question for you, please, is this listener. I'm just wondering, could you ask, is pipe fabrication an essential job during this lockdown please well I know last week when we had somebody querying that they worked in a quarry and their quarry had closed down and then they discovered there was another quarry was open and couldn't understand was it up to individual businesses and how was it operating why was their quarry closed and the other quarry wasn't closed and it turned out that whatever the quarry was producing was needed for farmers so if a company can prove that there's a reason why they should be open and it doesn't necessarily say it's an essential service but if they can prove that whatever they're doing there's a need for it in order for the country to continue that then that's what's happening and that's how some businesses are open and others are not. Patricia why do they this is when they give out the figures every day why do they give us the median age of people who die from COVID-19 when they tell us half 
of them are over that age would the average age not be better yeah, that's something actually I was thinking about again the, the other day when, when they were giving out the median age I don't know I simply don't know the answer I'll see if I can try and find out why there's obviously some reason for it I mean the other argument as well that you will often hear when Tony Hoolan, who's doing an amazing job, that man is when he's out every day talking about the people that's died, and then he gives the breakdown of how many were in the east, how many were in, the, you know, like, uh, like for example, yesterday's figures of the twenty-one, the majority of them for, for the east. You would assume the Dublin, Greater Dublin area, two down here in the south, and I think there was one from the west of the country. And a lot of people want more detail. And if you look and have been following how other countries announce their deaths and the number of people who've tested positive, they give a lot more detail. I mean, in in the States, for example, when they give their figures, they'll give the age of the person has died. They'll say where, you know, the general part of America that the person is from. But certainly in this country, we're doing everything to protect the person who has died and, and to protect their families. And I don't think there's going to be any change in that policy. But I don't know what their theory about the median and why not give us the average age rather than the median age. I'll see if I can find out something for you uh, this afternoon. We were talking about the masks and here's Dennis, one of our listeners who definitely is a man in the know. Uh, Dennis says, uh, Patricia, the N95, and this was, I mean, I, I'm not into these masks, but just when I was doing some research on what the World Health Organization is reviewing at the moment, they spoke about surgical masks, which are the kind of the ones that you would see people walking around the street on and the ones you would see a lot of the staff in the hospitals when you get to see people in the hospital, like the, the cloth ones and they just sort of pop over your ears similar to the wonderful ones Eileen made for us last week but they're just a disposable version and, and the ones that are used are designed for one use only, for one time use only and they're called the surgical mask and then there's this other mask that's called the N95 respirator and that's the one that to me looks like it's got a sort of a plastic piece on the front of it and it sort of fits smugly over your face. Dennis knows about this. Dennis says the N95 mask is the American standard. It means 95% of particles are filtered. The EU equivalent would be an FFP2 slash P2 or slash P3 just in the event that some people have these masks lying around the house and are confused with these respiratory masks should be supplemented with goggles or eye protection as well says uh, Dennis thank you for that Dennis also feels simple solution to the people over the age of 70 who are refusing to cocoon get the Gardaí to document their names and if they get the virus and end up in the hospital tell them no ventilator for you oh Dennis you couldn't do that oh you couldn't absolutely couldn't do that and Carmel and again this is something I don't know the answer to was wondering if somebody has signed an organ donor card and it is their wish to donate all their organs can they still donate if they die from COVID-19 and I I, I don't know Uh, Carmel is the simple answer to that we'd have to get on to the Irish Kidney Association uh, to find out what if if that is the case uh, or not I haven't I haven't heard anything but um, we can find out uh, for you if it's something that uh, you want to know about. I was going to go to John, but he's not there. Uh, is John not joining us? Um, OK, we're just we're waiting for a caller to come through on that one there. Uh, Patricia, the Ploughing Championships and the Listoon Varna Festival, do you know have they been cancelled? They're later on in the year. Listoon Varna is the Friday the 4th of September. It's that weekend, the first weekend in September. And then the Ploughing is later on in September as of yet, I haven't heard of either of them being cancelled. I've just done a quick search on the List Environment Festival and certainly their lineup is still up on their on their programme of their lineup is still there. 
So maybe too early yet to make the decision. Maybe they're holding out, waiting to see because nobody knows what's happening in this country. Nobody knows for how much longer lockdown is going to go on for. And then when lockdown ends and lockdown will end, I can't say sooner rather than later, but it certainly will end. And then we'll start going back to normal life. But that's not going to happen overnight either. We're going to be, you know, gradually we'll go back into what's happening. You know, varies. It'll start, I imagine, with some maybe extra businesses being allowed to operate. Um, Will schools be back up and running? Will will that be one of the last things? Because you, you have so many people together, social distancing, I imagine, is going to continue for quite some time. So I, I suppose it's just too early yet for the festivals or events that are on later on in the year. It's simply too early for the organisers of those particular organisations to decide whether they're going to cancel or not. But if we get any news on either of those events, I promise you, I will bring it to you. Hi, Trish. Uh, I hope the government don't forget the fantastic work that has been done by the great postmen and women of this uh, country. And they need to remember that if they would even, if they even try to consider closing down some of our post offices or trying to limit some of the great work that is been done. Also, I suggest that all of the medics, particularly the medics that have come back into this country and answered Ireland's call, that they remember all of those and that they retain them and that they retain them full time. That would put an end to our trolley crisis. But I think we've put an end to our trolley crisis ourselves, unfortunately, by people not coming forward for help. That seems to be very much what is happening. People who are unwell are just terrified to go near the hospital, terrified to go near the accident emergency department. And these are people, those conditions, you know, people having problems with their hearts, strokes, uh, people who get lumps and bumps and it turns out uh, to be cancerous, for example. Those complaints are still there. People are just not coming forward. And Italy now are starting to see that. They're starting to see a second wave. It's not from COVID-19, but they're seeing a second wave of people needing to come into hospital. And these are people who have unfortunately allowed themselves to become sicker not nothing to do with COVID-19 but because they didn't get to the hospital on time. So will many of the medics be kept on at the end of this? Only time will tell. And we have an, an additional doctor working for us as and from this week and I'm interested in your thoughts on this. This is the Artishak Lear Varadkar and of course Lear Varadkar before he became a politician was Dr. Leo Varadkar. He is a qualified doctor and he's offered to once again put on his medical scrubs and put a stethoscope around his neck and he's offered to help out in the battle against the coronavirus. He confirmed yesterday that he re-registered as a doctor. He did it at the end of March, so he did it last week and it seemed to have come as a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. Now many people online, when it broke online that Leo Varadkar was signing up to the HSE, many people saw it in the spirit of the Be On Call for Ireland and this is the the great words that went out all over the world, Be On Call for Ireland and we know we've spoken to some of the young doctors who have decided to come back. So many people saw it. Well done to Leo. He's, you know, taking on the spirit on being on call for uh, Ireland and he's applied to help out. Others then are saw it as a stunt, saying, oh, this is Leo Varadkar. He's a great man for the spin. Uh, and not everybody thought it was 
the correct thing to do. Others then would be worried about, the, you know, at the end of the day, at the moment, he is, even though he is our caretaker Taoiseach, but he is running the country. We see what happens across the water with Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson actually has ended up in hospital. He seems to be a lot sicker than what he was saying he was at the start when he came out and said he tested positive for COVID-19. So some would worry, you know, is there a risk that Leo Varadkar could end up in the same boat as the UK Prime Minister and could he, you know, end up picking up the virus if he was working on the front line. Now, it seems that what he's, he's offered his services to the HSE. He's offered to do one shift a week. Now, he says in the area of within the scope of, of his practice and, and he was a GP, wasn't he? Was that what Leo Varadkar was before he went into politics, even though even as a GP, he would have trained in a hospital. They, the HSE have said thank you very much to Dr. Leo Varadkar, but they haven't offered details of what work Leo Varadkar would be asked to do, whether it would be in a hospital, whether he'd be what we were talking about this morning. Would he be in one of the planned coronavirus community assessment hubs that's been run by GPs? Maybe it's an area like that. I can't see him being put on the front line for the very reason, as somebody else has suggested, you don't want the person who is running the country to come down with COVID-19. The fact that, you know, he could end up not then being able to do the job that he's getting paid uh, to do. So there would be that worry and there would be that concern as well. But your thoughts on that? How do you feel about what Leo Varadkar has decided to do? He's, he's, you know, he's trained as a doctor. He heard the call, be on call for Ireland. He knows they're in short supply. So he's, he's you know, said, look, I can I can help you out. Can't work full time, but I can certainly do one shift a week. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850-333-103. John is in for Moy. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. We, lo- we lost. Morning. I'm very well. And how are you doing in for Moy? Good, thank God. Are you self-isolating? Yeah, walking away on a farm and I must tip away and feed a few cattle and that. So you sheep lambing and things like that. And you're in the lucky position then that you are able to get out and about in the fresh air every day because that's an yeah. essential job that, that, that you're oh, doing. That must be done. That, that must you, be you done. Ha- you, you have to feed the animals, look after them, but you don't have to go go here or there, will say. Okay, and you're keeping away from everybody else other, other yeah. than the animals. Yeah. And the, the lambs, the sheep are lambing, you say? I'm in a way now, the most of my lamb now, Patricia. Thank okay. You. Will you have a problem now selling them on for in time for Easter? Uh, no, no. Sure. The, no the, 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 you can go to the factory with the lambs or you Great. can go to the butcher with the lambs. There's okay. plenty of roads for, uh, for the same with the cattle. You can go to the factory with them. After the butcher with them. And they'll be all ready for n- next Sunday for Easter Sunday for... Yeah, I'll go on well some of them anyway. For, for Sunday lunch. For sun- exactly. And you know, this Easter is going to be different for a lot of people. Everyone, anyone who used to go out for Easter Sunday dinner won't be doing it this year. Everyone will be at home. That's right. Yeah. I'll go on for the bit of lamb before. Yeah. Which, uh, which, uh, that's the way it is and you'll have to wait and see what'll happen. Now, you have a suggestion for the amount of money that the Irish government is spending on the personal protection equipment, the PPEs, we hear right, 200 yeah. million is what the HSE will have to pay over the next number of weeks because we need all this equipment. You have a suggestion? Well, they have to spend the money because they, the, they need the protection, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, correct. But the factories are telling us here they cannot sell the beef, that there's no market for it now. China's are closed and they haven't the money to buy it and there's no trade for the lambs. The lambs dropped a euro a kilo. A 20 euro, a 20 kilo lamb went down 20 euros like. No, they're gone back up. They're gone back up now. Okay. Because they, were, they weren't getting it. 
the beef is back to 340 a kilo. Okay. 340 in the month of April. My God, above. The cows are gone down. I don't mind the cows. The cows are after milking thousands. But why can't the government here now take the beef off our factories that they're telling us they can't sell and sell it to the Chinese? They need it now, of course. And trade it for some of the money that is owed to them. So instead of giving hard cash, say, we'll, we'll give you cattle and then you buy we'll the cattle. Give you beef. We'll give you beef. And we'll buy the beef from the, the farmer, from the factories. So the money yes. will trickle back down to the farmers. Correct. And there would be a better yeah. price and a better trade for it. And the lambs, the same way. And are you, are you saying that the Chinese are looking for beef? Well, sure. They said that the, the market went dead. On yeah. account of the virus, yeah, which it's it's passing over there a bit now, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's a country that's opened up, yeah. And yeah. they need to eat. And yeah. they were they were supposed to be fond of the Irish beef and mad about the Irish lamb. And isn't isn't now the time to get on the wagon when we can't sell it here? The factors are telling us there's no trade that they can sell it. That customers are scarce. I remember I was only around twenty four or five at the time. Cattle were bad in this country, and how he was in power at the time, right? Mm. And he and Purcell and Hargans above and Cork, they shipped all the cattle to Libya. Boats, boats, boats. It was a gift, Patricia, to the farmers of oil. A gift. And they traded the cattle for oil that time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a piece. I'd, I'd have to. I'm reading a piece here where Charlie Hawhey visited Tripoli in 1983 yeah, as yeah, Taoiseach, and yeah. and he met uh, Gaddafi as as it was at the time Correct. with a pair reaching Correct. agreement on live exports, which led Correct. to Libya becoming the states Ireland's single biggest market for cattle. It peaked at 90 million euro a year in the early 1990s. No, and that that was some. That was some lift. The Hargans and the Purcells, they were some people to do what they done. They gave the farmers of Ireland a lifeline and they gave them a good living. And there was no grading machines, no, no one with white coats telling you, oh, your cattle only done this or your cattle done that. And the beef now should be sold to China and the lamb under 36 months beef. Like, when yeah, you think of what we're here now to China, what what was being put on the plate there. Oh man, those wet oh, mat, yeah. those, like that's something, oh, come on. that's like, something yeah. I think, you know, when this pandemic is over, I think for now we're focusing on health, but when this pandemic is over, the Chinese have a lot to answer, uh, have oh, a lot God. of questions to answer and they have to do something about those wet markets. They have got to end. Of course. Because that's why SARS came out of as well. This isn't the first virus to come out of those no, wet markets. No, And listen, sorry, I don't mean, listen, the rules, the regulations that they put on our beef, or we are told this by the factories anyway, and by board beer, but I, I wouldn't listen to all them. The cattle had to be under 30 months. They had to be quality assured. They couldn't have more than four moves. And then they brought in this thing that if you had TB in your head, which you were clear now with the last five months, not until you were six months clear could you send beef or lamb, well, beef anyway, to mm. China. Yeah. No, yeah. come on, like. And then, and then, what who, was happening who, 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 in these markets? Exactly. Yeah. And who's, yeah. who's telling lies about this? Or the yeah. farmers of Ireland, Patricia? They are they are taking some hammer from the white coat people. 
But Kabir, are more people, I, when I was in the supermarket at the weekend, I was talking with the checkout operator about, you know, how busy they were and whatever. Because they're another group of people who are really at the front line. They're working so hard at the moment. And she was saying the panic buying has stopped, which I thought was great. Yes. But she said, we're still very busy. And I was saying, why, why do you think that is? And she said, people are eating so much more food. And it got yeah. me thinking, when I went out shopping, I did my best when I was buying, like when I was looking for sausages, for example, I made sure kind of kilty sausages I picked up. I yes. made sure that I bought Irish. Oh, yeah. we, 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 need, we need to do that. We need to... Correct. You need to make sure what we are buying is Irish and is and then when it's Irish after that try and make it as local as possible. Exactly. We could give it we could all give each other a lift here. But Patricia, the reason that people are buying more now and eating more, they were all working. They were all eating in restaurants and yeah, they're at home. and all that. They're at home now. Mm. So they're buying meat to cook. And like the best meat you'll get off the butcher. He know where it came from. Yeah. He know who he bought it. Irish meat and, and get local meat on top of that. Correct. Right. And, and any other local thing that you can buy, make sure it is local. And make sure it's Irish. Okay. But Patricia, they have millions owed now to China. Now is the time to step forward, get our Minister of Agriculture, whoever do it, and go about the money. And go about our beef and our lamb. And, and now is a good time we'll to d- trade we'll beef and lamb for the money. We'll do a straight swap. Good suggestion, John. Listen, you mind yourself. Thanks. And uh, thanks, uh, Thank thanks for joining us. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, John in for Moy getting the lamb ready if there's a leg of lamb on your menu for next uh, Sunday. And if you are heading out or you will be over the next few days thinking about what you're putting on your table for Sunday lunch and it's Easter Sunday lunch is what you'll be buying for this weekend. Just make sure and remember that the local companies and where possible uh, try to buy locally sourced food. 1850 333103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 jobs. Security staff are wanted for crowd management and social distancing across all of the Aldi stores in Bandon Cove, McCroom, and other areas of Cork. Two positions are available to join an existing agri sales team that's in the North Cork area. While staff are wanted for summer seasonal jobs, cooking, cleaning, prepping and serving. That's going to be in the Roscarbury uh, area. And Country Clean Recycling, they're looking for staff to work as part of their wheelie bin collection crews. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm. What are farmers' spring crop options? Some people would have liked to try to get beans in early in particular or maybe the like of spring wheat. Now, because the area wasn't sown in the autumn and, you know, the seed trade couldn't have predicted this, so seed will be scarce. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Range, the complete feed for your calves this spring only on C103. And thank you to somebody who's... Uh, oh, Fran. Sorry, Fran, you put your name on your WhatsApp. Thank you, uh, Fran. Fran has sent in a WhatsApp uh, and it's a picture from a, a diary. You know those di- those calendars where you get a thought for the day every day and for Monday the 6th of April it says, just remember when you think all is lost, the future remains. And he just, uh, Fran's just uh, sent it in saying how apt is that for the day that is in it. Absolutely. And the piece of history today... M- 
6th of April is the first modern Olympic Games started in Athens in 1896 on this day on, in a year that the Olympics has been cancelled. There's a kind of an irony in that as well. Now Canturk resident Kevin Quaid who published a critically acclaimed book documenting his struggle with Lewy body dementia last spoke to us while on holidays in Australia. I'm glad to report he's now back home safe and sound and he joins me to share his experience of being overseas when the world is battling a pandemic. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. And, How are you? Uh, well, I didn't think I'd be talking to you soon. Well, ne- <laughs> neither did any of us, but welcome home. You were, you should be still in Australia. Well, the wedding was supposed to be on Saturday and Noreen's birthday was today. And uh, you can imagine the parties we, that we had planned. But unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, it all has to be put on hold. But compared to what's happening to other families, it really does pale into insignificance, doesn't it? Yeah, so everything got uh, cancelled and I'm assuming that that was the same for all weddings in Australia, not just Noreen's. Everything. And then we decided that we'd have a, a, a small get-together, like maybe 20 people. And today she planned that was to be a Wednesday. And two hours later, the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, came out and he said that groups of more than 10 was banned. <laughs> so we just said... No, no, no. It's not going to happen this year. <laughs> oh, God, you were so unfortunate. So you, so you were originally meant to come back at the beginning of May, wasn't it? We, our original flight home was the top of May with Emirates. OK. And Emirates grounded everything uh, about a fortnight ago, as did Qantas, British Airways, you name it. And the only company that kept flying were Qatar. OK. And it got me thinking the other day, actually, because... Qatar are out of Doha, um, Emirates are out of Dubai, and Etihad are out of Abu Dhabi, and they're all around the same neck of the woods. Mm. But um, we were very, very lucky. Um, I have to say thanks, actually, to Michael Minehan. I rang him in the middle of the night twice to know, keep me updated about what was happening. The Department of Foreign Affairs and the Irish Consulate were very, very good to me and very good to the Irish people over there. But the bottom line is that as I'm from next Sunday, there are no more flights out of Australia. And when you when you got the word that your flight was gone, was, was that just it? You were told you your flight for the 3rd of May wasn't going to operate? End no. Off. What they said was they were grounding all their flights for two weeks. Okay. Which everyone knew that it was going to last longer. Two weeks was going to come and go. I mean, that was yeah. just, that was just um, a joke, really. And when Qantas grounded everything internationally and then they started grounding things internally like Qantas and Emirates basically working and we knew then that uh, that we were in trouble and that we had to, uh, we had to get out of there as soon as we could because uh, they made it very clear that if you don't if you're not out by next Sunday you're not coming out for five or six months and it was important for you to come home it was because of my health and um, my GP is here and I mean, fair enough, there's a reciprocal agreement between Ireland and Australia. And that if the Australians get sick here, they're looked after. And if the Irish get sick there, but, you know, they're going to look after their own first. And in Australia, like, Australian citizens flying back into Australia, they're taken straight from the plane into a bus, straight to a hotel room, where they have to remain for two weeks. Now, they cannot come out even into the corridor. And... um the funny thing about it in Australia is that um, the construction industry 
is considered an essential service. And they were told there last week the construction service can now go on for 24-7. And uh, as in from today, they have a total of 5,600 cases and only 39 deaths. And they reckon that the peak could be just a week away and the cases are dropping day on day. So... They're doing something right there, you know. Uh, yeah, but they've left the... And they're big, big construction sites they've left up and running in Australia. They have, but yeah. what they have done is they're very much they're very much practising the social distancing. Yeah. And, like, instead of lads coming and going out for coffees and all that, you bring packed lunches, clean clothes, shower every day. I know you're supposed to do that anywhere, but, you know, they're enforcing that. And anyone that's kind of floating the law will... You're put into isolation permanently. That's the way they put it, you know. And the and the Australians know how to lock their lock their country down. They always have been very good at that and what you can and can't bring into the country. But I'm really interested to hear that anyone flying back into Australia and these are their own people, they're the Australians mm-hmm. coming home, they're straight away quarantined in a hotel. Whereas in this country, like you're quarantined at the moment, we're asked to self isolate. Yeah, like when we came we came home. We got to, when we got to Dublin Airport, we were just handed a leaflet uh, to self-quarantine for 14 days, which which we are doing, but we're very lucky we're out in the middle of the country. But um, we got we were, we were got the train down because we didn't want anyone to collect us. Okay. Because if someone collected us, it meant you were putting them in danger. Okay. So we got the train down with a carriage on our own, and my favourite stepdaughter, she likes to be called Michelle. Okay. She had the caramella for us. Um, we got to the house. There was food in the, the fridge. The fire, the heating was on, and you know it was great to come home. And the people of Kentucky since I came home, we got a delivery from Jack McCarthy the other day of meat. Super value delivering today. I am so lucky to be living where I'm living. Yeah. You know, but I, you, you are following. You and Helena are following. You know, quite strictly the quarantine requirements and the isolation requirements but there's nobody checking in to make sure you're doing that my, my point being you could have been irresponsible and decided I'm not staying indoors for two weeks I could you, have stayed in Dublin for the week I yeah, could have no one no one is checking in on you no no yeah. no 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 no. but um, this is the only way we're going to fight it everyone has to be responsible for themselves because if I give this to my neighbours, my friends, or even people I don't know, if they get the coronavirus because of me, how am I going to live with that? Yeah. But uh, you don't you don't have any symptoms and you, and you don't think you have it? No, thank no, God. And no. I will tell you, like, I've often spoke about the Louis Boy dementia and the fear. Yeah. Now, put on top of that, the fear of getting something, because... There was a 15, almost a 15-hour flight from Sydney to Doha. Then there was a two-and-a-half-hour layover. Then there was a seven-hour flight to Dublin, the train down. And every time, if I gave a sneeze or a sniffle, I have it. I, I know, it. I know. And I had pains and aches for three or four days from sitting in the one spot. It's definitely the coronavirus. It's definitely the coronavirus. Uh, the last five days have been hell and for me. But as each day goes by... I'm feeling a little bit better and a little bit more at ease. Great, great. So I decided yesterday then that, right, if I can wake up tomorrow morning feeling good, I got up this morning, we live in a lovely quiet road, justice was getting bright, I went for a very short walk, there was no one around, I came back, sat down at the desk, 
started writing. I have my book to finish. I write for the Veil Star. I'm on the Patricia Messenger <laughs> show. I have to get my notes together for Patricia. <laughs> You're great. You're, you're, you're absolutely, you're, and the other thing, um, Kevin, that you need to keep in mind, when you were in Australia, you were almost in isolation with your family. You weren't in contact with anyone who tested positive for COVID-19. I'll tell you now, we, we arrived in Perth in Australia and we had to go to Melbourne and into Sydney. And from the time I arrived in Perth until I arrived back here in Cantork, I met a total of 18 people. Yeah, and not one of them has COVID-19. Not one of them. There you go. And they were all... There you go, you're perfect. Family. Come uh, here, the air, how, how eerie was, were the airports? Oh, my God. When you'd get to Sydney Airport, before you go in the door, you had to have um, your passport, and not only your passport, but your itinerary. And they were trying... When we left, did the flight leave for Doha at quarter to ten and a flight for Doha at quarter past ten? Both were the A380s, so there was over a thousand people. They were going around the airport with water. They were trying to keep people apart. Yeah. It just had this feeling like people were going to war. Everyone was staying to themselves. Everyone was staying quiet. You had groups of twos and they're whispering and they're looking around. If someone coughed, everyone looked at the person. I know, coughed. I know. The planes were packed. No, we kept hand sanitizer with us. We wore masks. Um, all the staff on board flights all wore masks. Couldn't be nicer, couldn't be more helpful. The people at the airports were very, very aware. But it's a terrifying, terrifying, terrifying time. Yeah, well, we're, we're at war with, with a virus that we can't see. That is. And I think that's I think that's that's what's scaring people. And Kevin, I mean, there you are. You're you're doing your bit and and well done. You're self isolating, which is fantastic. What do you say when you hear of and and we've got some calls in today about it? The people who are not abiding by the rules and not restricting their movements, even down to the over seventies who were told should be cocooning and shouldn't be outside the door. I saw some people who were well over the age of, of 70, very fit and healthy looking people, but they should have been at home uh, yesterday and they were out and about. What, what do you say to those people to try to get it through to them? Why we're well, doing this and why it's so important? Well, for me, for, uh, for me, it's a death wish. And I was talking to a very good friend of mine uh, yesterday, Gareth O'Callaghan, and Gareth has... Gareth has his own trouble like I have. And people with underlying issues like I have, and the people over 70s that they want to cocoon, it's as simple as this. If they do, unfortunately, get the coronavirus, it will have them for breakfast, dinner and supper. Mm. It's as simple as that. And the thing about it is, you can get... Children are actually super carriers of, of this. They'll show no symptoms. And they, and they might pass it on. So if you think that by walking around the town and going about your normal duties that you're not going to get it, it's try, wa- try walking along the verge of the cliffs of Moher. Yeah. You have two and, chances. And you might in up, fairness, you might I, I do think parents are being really good. There's very, very few reports of children out. Parents are abiding by the rules 
and it's tough to keep children in, indoors, yeah. particularly when the weather is good. But they can, if they've got a garden, they can go click a football around the garden. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but I think in the main, I think you know, children are staying indoors, which which, which is good to see in here. It is, and in, in fairness to in fairness to the Irish people, um, they were expecting it to be a lot worse. Now I can tell you that the next two weeks in this country are critical. I cannot stress how dangerous the next two weeks are going to be. We really, really, really need to take it on board that for the next two weeks, treat it as there's bombs being dropped and stay indoors. Don't go to town in twos, go to town in ones if you have to. Like, we're so lucky there's a neighbour of ours should give a ring. Do you want to enter from town? If we do, we tell her drop the money in the letterbox. Simple little things. Yeah, so you're not even, even when somebody's dropping off items to your house, you're not meeting no, them. Yeah, no, they're dropping no. it, they're it, gone and then you pick up the items. And I can assure you when our two weeks are up, our two weeks quarantine are up, you're not going to see me around Kentuck. You're going to stay? I'm, self- staying, yeah. I'm staying at home because I have plenty to do at home and right. like, if people are bored, pick up the phone and ring someone, ring a friend, ring someone you haven't spoken to in the last six months. If you can Skype, Skype. Um, and look, I want to say a special word of thanks to people like you because you have a job to do to keep us both informed and entertained. And that's a tough mix. You have the doctors, the nurses, you have people, all the people on the front line, the people that are keeping us fed. I rang two weeks super value in Kentucky the other day and I was talking to a girl by the name of Edel. And she spoke to me like I was the only customer. She took so much time for me. Um, Again, I have to go back to say thanks to Michael Minehan. Imagine getting a call twice in the middle of the night. Is there anything I should know in particular? Don't worry. Giving me directions of what to do and what not to do. Brilliant. People are great. Like Leo Varadka, I mean, to think that what he's doing, and I'm a fan of all men, (laughs) but to think (laughs) what he's doing is pulling a stunt. That's just downright unfair and loves it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every one of the politicians that are in the Dáil and that go to Dublin, they're putting themselves in harm's way to keep us safe. I mean, they're telling us to stay at home and they're going to have to pick up the pieces of people who work staying at home afterwards to try and get the economy back. And we will come back, oh, and and, and, and life and life will return to normal. And you, better than ever. As well, and your life will return to normal. And to end on a very positive note, the wedding, as of now, has been rescheduled. Is it September time? It, or it, it was they, rescheduled for September, but that they, will nothing be happening. They'll push in, that out further again. In Australia, so, but so, you're so positive that you're going back. You left your suit. I left my wedding <laughs> suit in Australia. Well done. I'm going back. You are. Put it on. I'm still. <laughs> look, I came home from Australia, and the bottom line is, I still have a wedding to look forward to. Absolutely. I still have a book, a book to publish. Yeah. I have so much to do, and compared to poor people that are burying loved ones, yeah, and people that are in hospital, we're we're the lucky ones, Patricia. That well we said. can talk to another about this. But please, 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 do do for once. Let every one of us do who we're taught. And we will get through this. 
and we'll have one hell of a party when it's over. We will, and we we'll look forward to your. We've got your new book to look forward to, Kevin. We'll talk again. It's great talking to you. And great talking to you. Pass on our best wishes to Helena as well, and both look after yourselves and stay safe. Okay. okay God bless. Thanks. God bless. Bye bye. The wonderful uh, Kevin Quaid. He's a, a terrific man, and what a, what a great advocate. A man living with dementia, and showing uh, how it can be done. He's just he's he's incredible, and I was absolutely so heartbroken for him when I discovered that the wedding had to be cancelled because he was on such a high such a focus was to get on that plane so he could walk his beautiful daughter down the aisle annoying and then to arrive there and it was a big big effort to get there and then for arrive for it to be cancelled but listen God is good and he'll get back out there now that he's left the wedding suit he doesn't even have to drag the wedding suit with him a couple of people commenting uh, and saying well done to Kevin Quaid what a lovely interview yeah he's such, such a great man and people taken aback about where the Australians do uh, quarantine compared to this country and other countries and that's what we need to introduce into this country when this pandemic there's very few people coming into the country now but somebody's saying if we went down the Australian route that anyone getting off a plane now at the moment in Australia is taken by bus and brought to a hotel and they can't leave the hotel and the hotel is under the government rule They've, they're put into a room they're obviously given their food is delivered and all of that but they can't leave that hotel room for two weeks to make sure that they don't have any signs and symptoms of uh, COVID-19 that's certainly one way of stopping bringing COVID-19 back into the country they'll deal with the cases that they have but they're certainly going to make sure they're not going to bring any new cases in 1850 we're going to talk about the cancellation of the flat Kyol events and what it means for participants in the next hour we also have Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist have you a question for Annalise get it in 1850 I want to thank the people of Ireland for listening to the advice when it comes to physical distancing regular hand washing taking care when sneezing and coughing and reducing the number of social events and gatherings that you attend However, we believe we need to do more. So I'm asking you to stay at home, if at all possible. This is the best way to slow the virus, ensure our hospitals are not overwhelmed, and buy us time. We live in challenging times. Look out for each other and stay safe. Be responsible. Follow COVID-19 guidelines and stay with us. We'll update you with the latest advice and measures from official sources. We're online, on your phone, smart speaker and radio. C103. The World Health Organization has now upgraded the coronavirus to a worldwide pandemic. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And this Good Friday, C103, we're asking you to do something really good. We're asking you to support Cork's frontline legends during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're joining forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and the CUH charity to ask you to donate just €19 for medical teams going above and beyond to save all of our lives. You can click on c103.ie this Good Friday and make a one-off donation of €19. There will also be a special phone line in operation on Friday. 
that's 1850-50-9696 and all monies raised will support services for medical staff including things like an internal wellness centre and external wellness space so staff have time to relax we're looking at mental health supports and we're also looking at something called genius thermometers that gives staff a temperature reading in just seconds and it's so important for the staff to know what their temperature is to make sure that they are well as they head back out onto the ward so we're inviting you to support Cork's Frontline Legends this Friday on C103 with Noel DC Skoda on the new Mallow Road in Cork Proud to get behind those steering us through the COVID-19 crisis noeldc.com you'll hear more about that as we go through the week some of your calls coming into the programme Ger was on to say he has been out picking up litter on his walks and well done and we're encouraging people to do that if you're if you're out in the countryside and the very fact that we're staying within two kilometres of our home if you bring a plastic bag obviously bring some gloves with you we want to keep you safe as well but if you just spot a bit of litter and pick it up wouldn't we have wonderful clean environments with the number of people that are going out walking within two kilometres of their home but Ger has noticed when I'm saying if you pick up some litter but bring some gloves with you he's noticed there's an awful lot of plastic gloves been thrown out I'm assuming car windows is it uh, he says uh, people need to need to really make sure that they dispose of them properly some of the supermarkets are giving gloves to people I've spotted when I've been in supermarkets people wearing gloves as well I mean if you are choosing to wear gloves and are the supermarket or give them giving them to you please dispose of them responsibly because I mean Ger are doing fantastic work picking up the gloves but you've got to be very careful if you're picking up somebody else's gloves because you don't know if there's if there's virus or any other kind of germs on it so please people wear your gloves if you think your gloves the gloves are going to keep you safe but just dispose of them put them into the bin bring them home and put them into your own bin or wherever you are if you're in a supermarket there's always bins in supermarkets and put them into the bin not on the floor into the bin and Moss in Bandon was on to us he's worried about his private health insurance he says what happens with the situation when everything comes back to normal and it will all come back to normal and we once again will have a public and a private health insurance system will we have to wait two years for a pre existing condition. How will it work? Will we all end up paying higher premiums every year for our health insurance? And I'm assuming what Moss is talking about is giving up his health insurance. The advice is don't cancel your health insurance, even though we don't seem to have private hospitals at the moment. We're having an expert join us on the programme tomorrow who will be able to answer questions about your private health insurance and and particularly if you pay your premiums uh, monthly. But I know the advice as of now is do not cancel your health insurance, even if it seems it's of no use to you at the moment, don't cancel it because I know all the health insurance companies are all in negotiations with the HSC because obviously the HSC are taking over the hospitals and where does that leave the private health insurers? So there's discussions and negotiations going on at the moment. So I know the one piece of advice that everyone is giving, don't cancel your health insurance as of now. Uh, And let's just see how this all pans out over the coming days. But as I say, we'll have an expert joining us tomorrow on the programme and we'll hopefully have more uh, for you then. Okay, some of your texts and some of your calls coming into us. Let me go to some of the WhatsApps uh, first. Uh, hi, Patricia. Another brilliant interview with that doctor. That's uh, Dr. Nick uh, Flynn. Thank you for that. He's great. And he always puts it in layman's terms, which is what I think people like uh, as well. At the moment, there are about, this is from Michael in Castletown Bear, there are about 60 antiviral agents all on trial. Some old drugs have been used. Drugs, for example, that they used to treat Ebola and HIV and other new chemicals. But 
but a more understanding of how the virus works is what is required at the moment. How does it reproduce so quickly once it gets into your throat and why some people are getting symptoms and others while will remain as characteristic carriers but they've absolutely no symptoms at all. Why is that happening? Why for example are men more susceptible than women? Or maybe the answer to that is obvious. Some other variables to even compare mortality rates in countries with another only time will tell and there's a lot of that work going on in the background and there's also a lot of work going on with the TB. Like A lot of us would have got the TB shot when we were children or maybe later on in life but then there's a whole generation where they stopped giving the TB shot even around the 80s on they stopped because tuberculosis had been eradicated so they stopped giving the BCG vaccine a lot of work going on at the moment showing that the BCV the, the BCG vaccine is playing a role against the coronavirus so there is a lot of work a lot of doctors a lot of scientists uh, working and the sooner we get to what is the, the ultimate goal is to have a vaccine but in the meantime we need to start tr- to finding ways to treat people while the others are working on, on the vaccine but there's a lot of work going on all over the world and hopefully sooner rather than later we'll have a good news on that and then Michael also um, Leo Varadkar and when we asked about when we heard about Leo Varadkar has re-registered as a doctor. Uh, he did it last week, the end of March, and he has now contacted the HSE to say he's available and he's available to do uh, one shift a week with the uh, HSE. Mike, and I, I was saying, was he a GP? I can't remember for sure. Did he specialise in particular practice? Or was, I thought from I've some strange reason I have it in my head that he was a GP. Uh, but Mike says, remember, every doctor trained in a hospital, so he would have been in a hospital setting at some stage. At the end of the day, he, he is a doctor. End of story. Not a hurler on the ditch. Remember the Sinn Féin nurse that renewed her registration. Well, she's Sinn Féin TD, renewed her registration. And Pierre Starty's wife, I say, fair play, play to them. And to help with the begrudgers, this is the people who are saying that what Leo Varadkar is doing is a stunt. Christy says, hi Patricia, Leo Varadkar is supposed to be in a call centre answering people's calls and giving advice. It's a matter of opinion whether it's a PR stunt or not. In reality, it is Tony Houlihan who's running the show at the moment while the others are just issuing press releases Tony Houlihan is coming across as doing a tremendous job and he's such a calm man isn't he I mean we all sort of heard, held our breath last week when we realised he was unwell but within 24 hours he was back but I just think it's the calm way Dr Houlihan delivers it as well I think which is which is great this is what, what we and it's what we all need at the moment. Jerry says, Hi Patricia, Leo Varadkar should not be putting himself forward as a doctor as there's enough crisis going on in this country for him to deal with besides him diverting away from what he should be doing and what he should be doing is running the country and getting a getting a handle on this major crisis. Somebody else says, Leo Varadkar will be answering phones I feel says this texture is doing it for his own gain. Why didn't he sign up back at the beginning of March? Why did he wait until the end of March? And Noreen says, Patricia, I don't think he should be doing this. At the end of the day, he is the Taoiseach of our country and therefore we need him in his office to be on call for the experts and the world leaders to try to fix this virus. That's just my opinion, says Noreen. Thank you for your call, Noreen. And Tom says, fair play, to Leo Varadkar, he is a leader who is prepared to lead by example. That's from Tom. Was there others in on this? 
a high Patricia in my opinion Leo Varadkar is our Taoiseach and caretaker leader he should be in his office doing the the job we're paying him to do mainly trying to source PPE for frontline workers talking to experts and scientists about ways of fixing our country and helping us to get over this pandemic so wouldn't be in agreement to him going back as a doctor and someone else said I was reading yesterday about Leo Varadkar willing to do a shift answering phone calls from patients querying whether they have COVID-19 or not would love to hear from somebody who will have a consultation with him yeah I wonder will that ever come out in the end anyway that's just some of your thoughts on Leo Varadkar and deciding to go back to being a doctor some other texts in Eileen says hi Patricia I'm self-employed and I'm getting a partial job seekers allowance I was told by the social welfare office they would close my job seekers allowance and to apply instead for the COVID-19 payment and also apply for job seekers for my spouse and two, two children it's all quite confusing I'm wondering is, is it correct well I know and we got this checked I was talking to John Paul in the office about this because we've had a few calls in about this the COVID-19 payment of the 350 for people applying for that it's only paid to the person applying for it you can't apply for your dependents your wife and your children as well so I didn't realise the advice you got there I don't know who you got that advice from but that would make sense in that you'd come out with more money because if you apply for the COVID-19 payment for yourself Eileen you get the €350 and then if you reapply which seems like it's putting work onto the people that are inside in the Department of Social Protection if you reapply for the job seekers allowance for your spouse for your spouse and your two children that then would be a separate payment to the one you're getting getting if that is the case you'll end up coming out with with more money my interpretation of it was that you applied for either one or the other but if you're being told you can apply for both apply away because you certainly will come out with uh, more money but yes it does seem con- confusing and it also to me seems like it's putting additional work on the guys and gals inside in the Department of Social Protection who are working really really hard there's another cohort of people will be getting their first payment and that will be landing in people's bank accounts tomorrow um, the payment day for the COVID-19 payments is uh, Tuesday Hi Patricia on the over 70s going out I am less than one kilometre from the water in Bantry I'm in my early 40s so I get out every day for my walk along our beautiful bay you lucky lucky thing anyway I meet at least five people among others, who I know for a fact are aged between 73 and 82. I know them all well and I have politely reminded them about the restrictions. Two have kind of agreed with me but are still out there every day having their walks. The other three as good as told me where to go. And you know what? These very same people would be the first one to complain about young people engaging in antisocial behaviour and rightly so. But my point is is their behaviour right now not being very antisocial? And that signed a concerned Bantry uh, person. Oh, wow. Uh, are they being antisocial? Is it antisocial behaviour? I mean, they are certainly my worry and concern for them, for that cohort of people. They're putting their own lives at risk. Absolutely, absolutely putting their own lives at risk. If they pick up COVID-19, there is a higher chance that they would become very unwell. 
than say your good self in your early 40s while you'd be sick but more than likely you wouldn't need hospital treatment whereas the people you talk about between the ages of 73 and 82 could end up in hospital and then what are they then being selfish because by ending up in hospital they will end up needed to be treated by our nurses and doctors the frontline workers and be looked after by all the people working in the hospital they're putting them in risk of getting the virus they're putting them under strain they're putting the hospitals under strain so yeah it's certainly whether would we would we call it antisocial behaviour certainly very selfish behaviour but can I say well done to you for having that polite conversation that's a difficult conversation to have with somebody that you know well and who's out enjoying having their daily constitutional and having a nice bit of a walk and for you to go and say to them sorry now do you need to think about you're meant to be cocooning at home so I've huge admiration for you for taking the time out to talk to them and, and hopefully they'll, they will listen eventually and they will stay indoors. Somebody else says, Patricia, it's Holy Week, it is. We all need to pray for good health for everyone and stay safe. Absolutely. Micah says, hi Patricia, I completely agree with John, the beef farmer who you had on the programme earlier about the idea of taking beef from the Irish farmers and using it instead to pay for health care products or health care products that we value, we desperately need what a wise head that man has. We need someone like him behind the Minister for Agriculture's de- desk instead of who's there at the moment. I haven't heard much from the Minister. Oh, we've had the Minister for Agriculture, in fairness. He's been working away. We've had him on, on this programme. I think other ministers have really stepped up to the mark and some of our ministers are really working tirelessly in all areas at the moment. Hi Patricia, any idea what time the post office will open this Thursday? All of the post offices are operating as normal. They're paying out double weeks of money. So there's money due this week again, isn't there? Because it was paid, yeah. Um, anyone who picks up payment from the post office is due this week. But they're operating, post offices are operating as normal as as indeed post men and women are working. It's like Christmas to them. It's They are so busy at, at the moment. Hi, Patricia. It was known that China had a problem with some kind of a virus before Christmas. What fools around the world let travel to and from that country continued, continue? If we could have contained it immediately once the whistle had been blown, that didn't happen. And what's happened since? It's gone all over the world. I think after this pandemic, I think an awful lot is going to be learnt that we need to close down countries as soon as any kind of a sniff of a virus or a new virus. I think that's one of the one of the lessons we'll learn. But I suppose it's too early yet. We need to save lives before we can learn all of those lessons. And then other people are still going on about Cheltenham and why did Cheltenham happen? And look what's happened there. Uh, and all the people that went to Cheltenham, how are they feeling now? Uh, are any of them feeling very guilty? Someone else wants to raise the issue about a lot of holiday homes have been lit up around West Cork with D-Reg cars parked outside of them. Well, in the true spirit of what was introduced last Friday week, we're asked not to travel anywhere around the country. Did they get out before the tighter restrictions came in? I don't know, but people don't like the idea that people from Dublin decided to get out of Dublin and back down into more rural areas, I suppose. Maybe they felt they feel they'll be safer in rural areas because there's certain Certainly is a lot of, there's an awful lot more of coronavirus patients testing positive in the Dublin and surrounding areas than we have around the uh, country.
country. And somebody says, Patricia, there's a lot of suggestions that they should be rerunning on TV. They should be rerunning Glenrow. Wouldn't that be a fantastic idea? Show it again. There's a whole genera- younger generation who would never have seen Glenrow. Actually, one programme I do know, and we're trying to get on to Pat Shore to see if he'll be available to talk to us. By all accounts, they're going to rerun Killing a Scully. Remember Killing a Scully? Would you believe it's 20 years since the last series of Killing the Scully I would have thought 10 years and was it Goretti do you remember the power walker <laughs> I wonder what Goretti the power walker would make uh, of a lockdown like this well she made to do a two kilometre walk I suppose anyway we're hoping to try and get Pat Short on to get more details to get him onto the programme about that but that certainly I think would list, lift a lot of people's spirits a rerun of Killing the Scully 1850 3303103 now, due to the coronavirus emergency, the Mallow Conference of St Vincent de Paul, they've stopped distributing food from their premises at the New Road in Mallow. However, if you require assistance, assistance they can be contacted on 022 50188, uh, where you can leave a message and your call will be uh, returned. And for listeners cocooning at the moment in need of physiotherapy advice, you can contact Carberry Physiotherapy free of charge. They've also posted a list of HSC validated exercise onto the Carberry Physiotherapy Facebook page. It's to encourage other older people to maintain mobility. And Johalo Vintage Run in aid of the Mercy Hospital was due to be held on the 19th of April. That's been postponed until a later date. And some community groups offering help in Dunmanway, the community initiative. They have over 40 volunteers av- uh, available to help anyone in the area looking for help. Darren can be contacted in Dunmanway 086 72 And Tim League listeners can contact Sheila on 086 837 555 will arrange for one of their volunteers to call to you. This Good Friday, C103 asks you to do something really good. Really good. Support Cork's frontline legends. Cork's frontline legends. Help raise funds from medical teams going above and beyond to save lives during the COVID-19 pandemic. We all come together. We all come together. We've joined forces with the Mercy Hospital Foundation and CUH Charity to ask you to donate just 19 euro. Just 19 euro. All money raised will support services for medical staff. For medical staff. This Good Friday, click c103.ie and make a one-off donation. Or call 1850 50 96 96. We all come together. Supporting Cork's frontline legends. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. No DC Skoda, New Mallow Road, Cork. Proud to get behind those steering us through the COVID-19 crisis. NoDC.com on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As with many other events, this year's Flacule has been cancelled because of COVID-19 pandemic. Up to 70,000 people were expected to attend the main event, which would have been held in August. So to discuss what the cancellation of FLA events means to the people who have been, who would have been participating, I'm joined by Alan Finn of the Shandrum Cayley Band. Good morning or good afternoon to you, Alan. It's gone past 12. Good afternoon to you. How are you, Patricia? How are you keeping? Uh, well, I'm I'm very well. How is self isolation and all of that? And how's how's it? Do you know, as in just 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 trying to make the best of it, really. To be honest, about it, just trying to keep busy and just kind of waiting out more than anything, I suppose. And that's the whole thing, isn't it? Routine. You know, you try and get some kind of a routine going and just keep busy. Well, that's exactly it. As in, like we were, like I was always very busy playing music and teaching and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden it just stops. So yeah. it's kind of a bit of a shock to the system. You know, going from a hundred to nothing, if you get me. But yeah. um, but everybody's in the same boat, really. And you know, we we have to do what we have to do, really, to stop the spread of the virus and stuff like that. So, can you, you know, sub? Can you do any of your what you normally do online? Is that possible? Yeah, I started doing that. I started um, doing Skype lessons, and Zoom lessons, and stuff like that with, with individual um, kids. But it's impossible to do group stuff, obviously, because. Like is in in when I be teaching groups and bands, you'd have twenty in a group and ten oh, yeah. in events, and it just it's just not feasible. And obviously, as you said with the flair, um being cancelled, there's no competitions for to to be preparing for and stuff. So it's just okay. it's just basically keeping the Skype lessons going the mood with the individual music, um, kids. And how's that? How's playing. that? How's that going? Is it working well? It actually is. You know, it's, it's very, very different. Like you know, they kind of had to approach it differently than what you normally would in the class. Like, but yeah, it's, it's working out well. Is the kids are kind of getting good, um, getting they're they're kind of enjoying it, and it's giving it's kind of keeping them playing music and stuff like that, and kind of giving them a goal each week as well, because. Obviously, with the kids outside out of school and stuff like that, they're also bored. So yeah, it's giving them it's them, giving them something yeah. else to do. Okay, talk to me about Flacule events, um, Alan. How popular are they here in Cork? Well, in Cork, Cork Fla would have you could have anything up to two thousand five hundred competitors over the weekend of the Cork Fla alone. So it would be a fairly a huge event. To be fair, now like last year, it was in Dunmanway, and the whole town was just full of music let's say and then the the school the the, the competitions I held in was jam packed all day all day and all day Sunday with the various competitions going on so like you 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 could have anything up to 60 70 competitors in one competition alone 
So and of course, all of those competitors would have family members going along supporting them and oh, yeah, cheer, yeah. cheering them on. And yeah. then you have the events here in Cork, and the idea is then you qualify for the Flacule, the overall. Is it the, the All Islands? You, you you go from your county first, so you go from the Cork County Flag, which is due actually to be held in the middle of April, but obviously it's cancelled now. So you go, you, your first first and second would go through in each competition, and maybe third place if the standard is high enough. And then you go forward to the Munster Flacule, which is normally held in the third weekend in July. And in first and second place, then from the Munster flag show, we go forward to the All-Ireland flag show, which was due to be held in Mullingar this year, which obviously is cancelled well because of the current climate. And, and I was right in saying they reckon up to 700,000 people were expected in Mullingar. Oh, yeah. As in, it's, it's, it's massive and it's, it's actually getting, it's constantly getting bigger as well. It's, it's a massive draw because... Like, you just don't have the competitions at the All-Ireland Flag Show. You have concerts, you you have gig rigs, all the television, like, all the bars have entertainment. Yeah. So it's a, it's a massive draw. Like, in Androhada last year, you couldn't walk up and down the street because of the crowds, you know. So, as in Mullingar, was supposed to... But Mullingar would have been the same. And it was a massive pity that just cancelled because... Yeah. We had played... We had played a fundraising concert um, for the Flag Show and we had met the, the Shandrum Kelly event... Um, in Mullingar earlier this year, we before this virus uh, outbreak, and we played a fundraising concert up there, and the atmosphere was amazing up there, and uh, the people, the people, and the the organising committee was were brilliant and putting a massive Trojan network um, effort into the flair, and it's just a massive pity that it just was cancelled in because of all their hard work and they were they were really making a good go of it. Like, right, so it'll be Mullingar so, for twenty twenty one. It'll be yeah. They, yeah. they have the flag for twenty twenty one, and I think they're I think they're they're talking about getting it again in twenty twenty two. And and well, fair, and, and, and only right and proper because it's it's oh, because it's it's not their fault. It, it, it wasn't their fault, but in, they made they obviously they had to make a call because people don't know how long this is going to go on for, and for something that massive. Let's say we're drawing that amount of people and stuff like that. You obviously, it's, you couldn't couldn't, like, couldn't so, even compl- uh, contemplate. No, no, they were they were talking about just holding uh, a smaller scale kind of um, idea with just competitions for later in the year. But as in, see, again, it's kind of unknown territory because there's no kind of final end date of what's going to happen with this lockdown and stuff like that. Like so. And outside of young people playing music, people get involved in in the various flower events, uh, Alan. I, is it as much a social hobby as well, and that young people meet up with their friends on a regular basis? Oh, it's 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 definitely it's, it's social. It's it's a brilliant social outlet for not just for the kids that are competing, but for everyone, like even ourselves. Like there are people that I would only just meet at the flag shows every year, you know. And like let's say there'd be people from the north or from different parts of the country that you you would only meet at the flag shows. Sit down and play music for the day. Like you go into the corner of a bar and sit down and play music for the day, or into, or even on the street, and all that kind of gone now too. But like for the kids, it was a brilliant outlet for them to be in the competitions, but also because they actually had the opportunity to meet people their own age. They think like Malaysia, where maybe there's kind of um, master classes and workshops. At the flat yards as well, and the kids can go there to to learn music and kind of pick up different techniques and stuff like that in those masterclasses, and mm. they make friends through that. And 
ending after those festivals finish like this, they'd probably go down the street in wherever, whatever town the club would be held and play music in the street with their friends and stuff like that. So, like I say, it does not have more than just competitions in it. So it is a massive social um, outlet as well for, yeah. for everybody involved. Not and, kids, and are you encouraging young people who would be involved in, in Flan? Well, they're very disappointed, but keep practising, keep playing. Oh, yeah, definitely. As in, because as in, like, this is this hopefully won't go on forever. So, like, as in, after it passes and stuff like that, there, there is festivals outside of the flag hill as well that kids go to, um, like, you have the Willie Clancy Summer School in uh, Milton Malby. You'd have, like, various festivals, even in Cork. You, you, there was actually last weekend just gone, there was supposed to be a festival in Ballyley Hub, the Ballyley Hub, the uh, yeah, Festival. That was, uh, that was That was obviously cancelled. Yeah. The organisers were in contact with me, and they're hoping to to reschedule this later in the year, set two more time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so, some of them, some of them, please God, will go ahead. Yeah, hopefully, like, because it, it, I can understand all um, the predicament that they were in, obviously. But like I said, the the line the Balladay Hall tried first used was it wasn't cancelled; it was just going to be postponed. Yeah, and yeah. everybody's kind of going along with those lines with uh, regarding the different festivals and stuff like that that were supposed to be up and coming so they're kind of going postponing as opposed to cancelling so okay. kind of okay. getting, getting people hope you go ahead and you're continuing to play music yourself are you you're hoping oh, to yeah, do, do, do this well let's say no let's say just just at home like, and the the internet is brilliant because myself and a couple of friends there's just there's different apps now you can use that you can record yourself on well. an app and then you can send that to your one of the one of your friends and they can actually record on that as well and you know it's just technology is amazing yeah, it's just technology, technology is amazing yeah. okay yeah, so. and the flag hole will be back and of course you're no stranger to all Ireland championship titles how many of you under no. your belt <laughs> uh, you lost seven. count seven, seven. <laughs> I think about seven that way yeah uh, you're amazing. I, I, I don't kind of keep pound for anything I don't keep my medals every day like so <laughs> <laughs> take them out and polish them there's something that's else a, you can that'll while away another hour listen Alan it was a pleasure to talk to you we'll talk thanks again uh, stay safe bye bye yeah, bye yeah, bye uh, bye bye Alan uh, Finn there of the, the Shandrum Cayley Band just to, uh, kind of to say to all of those young people who are so so disappointed that the flat hole uh, here not going ahead this year stay practising and stay playing it's a great great hobby and a pastime to have 1850 333103 let's take a break and we're back with Annalise Drissel our nutritional therapist if you've got a question for Annalise you can get it into us you can call John Paul or Sadie 1850 333103 you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. I've got Rick Astley, who loves being on C103. Radio, obviously, is still massively powerful. Adele explains taking a plaster off a hairy arm. I was so relieved that I felt like I pulled it off to the best of my ability. And Oasis, what age are you now, Liam? 46, I think. I could be 47. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards, weekdays from 1. C103. Connect with C103 on Twitter. Find all the latest news and sport and stay in touch with what's happening across Cork. Search for our Twitter handle at C103 Cork. Cork.
today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And someone was on to us earlier about the service that I'm post, you know, where they're taking people's posts and they're checking in with elderly vulnerable people to make sure that they're okay. But one of the services we spoke about last week was the delivery of a newspaper. Uh, a listener says, do we have to pay for the newspaper? I don't have a bank card and I'm wondering how would I pay for it and is there a charge? So we're going to check in with on post because it was one of the things that wasn't clarified last week. As far as I know, you do have to pay, but I don't know how you actually pay. So let's we will get clarity on that. And just a couple of quick comments in on Leo Varadkar and his offer to go back as a doctor. Hi, Patricia. Thanking you for all the information on COVID-19. Um, I am a f- I am not a f- I was never a fan of this government, but I think they've been absolutely fantastic. And especially Leo Varadkar and Simon Harris, they've taken charge of the situation we are in now. I think Leo Varadkar, wonderful what he has offered with his services. John says, hi Patricia, regards Leo Varadkar, fair play to him. Well done. That's from John in Blackpool who wants to send on kind wishes to John Paul and Sadie. I'll do that for you. And good afternoon, Patricia. Regardless of what Leo Varadkar does at the present moment, there will always be some people who think he is wrong. And that's from Jim in Balancholic. Okay, Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. Let's check in and see how Annalise is getting on. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're surviving? We are surviving and we're going to stay open for as long as we can. Well but we done. have cut our hours just so that your listeners know if they're ringing or uh, looking for things to be posted or to pop in. Okay. So we're changing. Normally we're open Monday to Saturday, 10 to half five, but we will be closing now at two. So we'll still be open Monday to Saturday, but just 10 to two. And that's because the footfall isn't there, I take it. It's It's gone very quiet, Patricia, yeah. but the phone is busy. So we want to be available for people's well queries and for, you know, for drop-ins if they need replacement um supplements so we will provide a service well until we're completely not able to Okay and hopefully that day will never come. Okay yeah. Geraldine has been on question for Annalise please. My son he's nine suffers from hay fever it starts in February. Itchy red eyes uh, some nights and then most days um, it'll carry on until September we use Neoclaritin but I'm wondering are there any natural remedies thanking you and a lot of people now will identify with this because people are starting to suffer from hay fever already. Already and actually that's as well because Patricia I think people because they can't get out of the house they're actually now using that opportunity to go out and exercise they're not in gyms so they're outdoors and we're starting to cut the grass so I've definitely seen an increase in hay fever coming in the door here. So one of the best remedies for hay fever is a homeopathic remedy um, made by Dr. Vogel that company it's called Polinasan P-O-L-L-I-N-S-A-N and it comes in tablet form. You can also get it in liquid form called Luffa, L-U-F-F-A. It's safe for children to take. Um, the Luffa complex definitely is safe for children to take. And the, uh, the Polynesan is, is for more for adults, designed for adults. And you really would need to start that before the usual onset of symptoms. So I'd be recommending people would start it in March, actually, before grass starts getting cut at the end of March. Um, for this little boy, he's suffering from February, so he really has a long a hall of suffering through the nearly six months of the year. So in that case, I probably would start in January with something like that. You can also take natural antihistamines like quercetin. And actually apples, you know, the old saying, apple a day keeps the doctor away. Quercetin is a wonderful natural anti-inflammatory as well as a natural antihistamine and would be very high in apples. 
um, and also in the, the out, outer skin of onions, Patricia. So never throw those skins away. Always throw them in with your stock pot when you're making stock for the quercetin. So you can buy quercetin in any health store. Vitamin C is another natural, wonderful antihistamine. You need to be taking it in a high dose. For children, I'd recommend no more than 500 milligrams a day. But adults could easily take 1,000 milligrams a day and upwards if they needed to. Um, and then, of course, stinging nettle. Stinging nettle is very good if you've got the runny nose and the runny eyes. Um, you can get that in tablet form or you can get it in drops form and again would be suitable for children. And some people swear by taking local honey. So try and source locally um, local honey. It needs to be raw, so not pasteurised. Ideally, it just will have been filtered and it'll be wild honey so that they're not feeding them on sugar. So syrup. someone who has a beehive, a beekeeper in your area exactly. is what you're looking for, yeah. There's lots of people, actually I started keeping bees this year with my dad, Patricia, and it's a lovely hobby. And the honey doesn't taste like anything else. But you'd want to start that honey again, probably at the beginning of March, before the hay fever season starts. Yeah, and a lot of people swear by that. Okay, um, all right, that's answered a lot of queries. There's a lot of queries in about uh, hay fever. Um, okay, Mary is in her 50s. Anything for vaginal dryness and sleeping bad with menopause? So now I would be a fan of the natural plant-based oestrogens, Patricia. So these are very mild oestrogens that exist in certain plants like soya. Linseeds would be very high in them as well and all of the pulses can be high in them. Now you need to take it in a very high amount so it'd be hard to get it in through food with our kind of Western diet. The Japanese women who'd eat an awful lot of tofu uh, and soya-based products, actually they would have little to no menopause symptoms in Japan. They hardly ever used HRT and probably because of those natural plant-based estrogens. So get it in a supplement. Um, the Dr. Vogel range, they do one called, um, I think it's called Menosan. Uh, no, sorry, Menopause Support, it's called that one. Um, and there's another one by Clean Marine. They do a kind of a krill oil with soya, soya isoflavones in there as well. So Dong Kwai would be another natural one from a Chinese remedy that would be very high in that those natural plant estrogens. So I would recommend that. And then Dr. Delish Care, the lovely vaginal dryness cream that's very good. There is some wild yam in it, which provides a kind of a natural progesterone. Um, and you can, it's, it's very safe to use for everybody. So it's great. A lot of people as well, Patricia, would notice that um, they get a lot more kidney infections around menopause and I don't think that's down to problems with the kidneys I think it's actually to do with dryness and irritation so um, that cream is wonderful for that as well what, uh, What's the name of it again? So it's the Dr. Delish Clare Vaginal Dryness Cream Vaginal so Dryness exactly Cream exactly what it says on the tin OK Burr says uh, question for Annalise please I'm after recovering from a bout of shingles is it normal to feel so tired? Any recommendations for food or supplements and how long will this tiredness last? Yes, yeah, so that is very common, Patricia, post-viral fatigue. And actually, in some people, it can turn into, you know, chronic kind of chronic fatigue, which can last for years. Now, that is very unusual. Uh, but a lot of the Epstein-Barr viruses could trigger chronic fatigue. It's a well-known trigger for autoimmune as well. Um, but in terms of shingles, that's, don't need to worry about that. It's very common to feel whacked after a virus. Um, such as shingles or chickenpox. And the flu this year, Patricia, knocked people out for weeks and weeks afterwards. So I always recommend, as a tonic, the Source of Life Gold liquid, if you can get your hands on it, because not only is it a great nutritional boost, but there at the moment as well, there'd be lots of zinc, vitamin D, 
um, vitamin C and also beta-glucans in there which are wonderful for supporting the immune system and they'd be great natural antivirals as well. So it would make sure that your body was able to rid itself of any remaining virus lingering. There's also a couple of herbs in there that'll give you an immediate energy boost. So something like that is great and if you can't get your hands on that, um, try maybe a good vitamin B supplement and then get something to support your immune system. Now, the Salgar, they do a lovely elderberry extract with beta-glucans, and it has been out of stock for a long time because of COVID, but it's back in stock in a lot of shops now. So that would be a good natural antiviral to couple with a B complex if you can't get your hands on the source of life gold. Eileen says, hi, Annalise, could you recommend something for a bad itch from caused by psoriasis? So psoriasis is a difficult one, Patricia, because it actually is coming from the inside. And for people who don't know what psoriasis is, basically our skin is turning over itself all the time and shedding. But when you've got psoriasis, it's happening at such a rapid rate that it builds up into kind of like a layer or it's called a plaque. It can be very, very itchy. And in some theories, they say that it would be autoimmune. So it's your immune system that's kind of gone a bit AWOL. So the first thing I would suggest is taking a very good quality, high-strength omega-3 supplement. So you're putting the fats back into the skin from the inside and you really need to be getting a very high dose of both EPA to balance the immune system. That's one of the omega-3 essential oils. And DHA as well is wonderful for the skin. So go into your local health shop and get the best one that you can afford to buy. Then in terms of putting something onto the skin, I get great feedback on something called Oregon Grape Root Balm. Um, so it's the root of a plant called Oregon Grape. And it's made by a company called Viridian. It comes in a jar and it's a very kind of oily balm. It's very, very soothing and I get great feedback. It's very good for people who've got certainly lots of little patches. Sometimes it'll clear it up and definitely might help manage the larger plaques just to keep okay. them um, not itchy. Okay, listen, have a good week. We'll talk next Monday. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, thanks for joining us. I actually realise we won't talk next Monday. It'll be Monday uh, week because next Monday is Easter Monday. Before I go, uh, could you clarify something, please? I'm trying to find out if there's another double payment week for social welfare. This week I'm in receipt of job secrets long, t- long term. I collected a double week last week, but don't know if I collect a double week again this week or next. I'm getting confused. Thanking you. Um, I would assume if you got a double week last week, you won't be entitled for this week. It'll be the following week they're paying it out in two two weeks the first of the double weeks was two weeks ago so for old age pensioners who picked up theirs two weeks ago they will be entitled to a double week again this uh, week we'll get further clarification though on that as to who's getting it this week and who's not okay that's where I have to leave you for today Mark Malone is with you up next sitting in for Nick who is off for the week my thanks to John Paul and to uh, Sadie we're back with you again tomorrow morning at 10 until then stay safe and mind yourself um, and just look after yourself and stay indoors and don't forget wash your hands C103 Anthems C103 Anthems weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7 Cork's Greatest Hits C103